0: We are gathered here today in the sight of God for the union and holy matrimony of two people, of two families. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Do you promise to love, to honor, to care for, to pray for, and bless one another from this day forward? I could go in a lot of directions with that intro. But I wanna concentrate on two things. First things really the groom says, or the bride, is I promise to love, to bless, to honor. And I really believe that the groom and the bride should say those out loud. None of this repeat after, you know, I do, or I agree. The other thing I want to emphasize is the words from this day forward. Lord, we just pray that today you would have your light of your glory shine upon us. Lord, I pray you would illuminate the word into our hearts. Lord, that we would be changed by you. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. So, I'm going to follow up a little bit on what Jim DiBiasso started a couple weeks ago. He started with the beginning of Jesus' ministry, talked about John the Baptist. And one thing that's going to be key today in the message is the idea of blessings. Blessings that have to deal with Things of the past and the present and the future. And now blessings in the Old Testament were spoken generally from father to son or within a family or by God onto people or by the prophets speaking blessings onto us. Psalm 1, great example. It starts out this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers so blessings generally represented a change in somebody's life usually happen at some type of event a child coming of age or God bringing a prophet into a situation, and he would speak blessings, or in this case David speaking blessings at the beginning of his psalms. They contain promises of God. Whether it be a father speaking them, or a prophet speaking them, or a pastor speaking them, God is the author of blessings. Blessings. The other thing I want to do today is look at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so, we know in Luke 2, it says, do not be afraid. This was the angel speaking to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, get that in your mind, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Those are the same revelations Peter had later on, that he was both Messiah and the Son of God, spoken by the angels, a blessing given to mankind. And then the sky was filled with angels, and they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace unto those on whom his favor rests. These again are blessings, and you can go to the Old Testament and find many blessings. The blessings given to Adam, the blessings given to Abraham, blessings given to Jacob, to Isaac, down through the generations. Or in Galatians, the promises were spoken to Abraham into his seed. And Paul directly says the promise was of Christ. Overriding all things, the promise, again, was of Christ, the Lord, coming. When Jesus came that day and the angels appeared, it changed everything. Never again would the world be the same. Because the Savior had come. My scriptures for today, then, we go to the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew. In Matthew 4, 16 and 17, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Jesus came into the world, the light of the world, There's another great message just in that. The light of the world coming. Something changed, didn't it? Jesus came. Not only did the angels proclaim it, but the world was changed. All of a sudden, it went from darkness to light. We celebrate that so often on Christmas Eve as the birth of Jesus. And then Jesus continued in his message in 4.17, and from that time on, from that time, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Wow, what a way to start a message. Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand, is a better translation. Repent means change your thinking and go in the other direction. Exactly what Joanne prophesied today. Change your thinking and go in a different direction. Change where you're going. Because why? Because Jesus was there. Change your thinking, Jesus was saying. Repent. Stop thinking of that, I will come, because I'm here, standing before you. So it's time to change your thinking. And we can apply it today, which we will. So that was the idea of repentance. And even before we get going, we might think, well, what do we have to repent on? Where do we have to change our thinking? We have to begin changing our thinking whether it's about sin or about pride or about other areas of life that we may be deceived, we have to change our thinking. I pray, God, that you would do that today. By the way, if you want to respond, hallelujah is a great response. (laughs) Some people have a lot of other things they say, but hallelujah is a great one because we want to give glory to God. May something, you know, some people will get a lot of things that only give glory to themselves, but we want to give glory to God So if, if we hear the scripture we can say hallelujah And this idea was that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand well that at hand Means that it was There it was coming Same thing that when Judas arrived in the garden, Jesus said, my betrayer is at hand. It's that idea of it's about to happen. And so Jesus said, repent because the kingdom is is now. And that idea of the kingdom of heaven is another word for kingdom of God. Matthew likes to use that expression. But it comes, where's our Jewish... The old Jewish prayer, the Kaddish, was used in a lot of things for bringing peace. It was used, uh, a, a wonderful prayer. A lot of times used at funerals. But in that prayer, there is this. This is a quote from it. Exalted and hallowed be his great name. May he cause his kingdom to reign. They've been praying that for thousands of years. And what do we say in the Lord's Prayer? Lord, may thy kingdom come. Jesus was saying, repent this day, because the kingdom has come. It was an answer the Jewish listeners would have known. Jesus was standing up and saying, this day... This day, what you've been praying for thousands of years is fulfilled. Today, what did Jesus say when he picked up the scroll? Right? He said, oh, and this is from Isaiah, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these wonderful things, right? To to set the captives free, to heal the sick, to open the blind eyes. He sat down, all eyes were on him, and he said, today, it is fulfilled in your hearing. He didn't say next year. He didn't say in the future. He said, today, it is fulfilled. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go then to the Beatitudes. And he opens up in chapter 5 of Matthew. In verse 2 he says, He opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And that idea of opening the mouth was the same word as the wise men opening their treasures and presenting them to Jesus. The same word as the heavens were opened to him and the Spirit of God said, This is my Son in whom I am well blessed. Jesus opened his mouth and proclaimed blessings. He opened the treasures of heaven, standing there in front of them, and he starts out and he says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And he goes on. Amen. So what was Jesus saying? So let's start. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we talked a little bit about the Old Testament blessings. But there's a lot of different interpretations of blessing. In the Bible, in the King James, when they translated it, 50, well, 44 times they translate the word. And we can give you the Greek word, but we don't have to get caught up on it. But the word was translated 44 times as blessed. Four times in the King James they translated it as happy. Going to newer translations, that's been cut down to maybe two times. But it's unfortunate. Because so many people out there will put down as the definition of blessed, happy. That's not what it means. Yes, the idea of happiness is contained in it. But blessed, if you go back to the roots, has many more meanings. In the Greeks, when they looked at it, they said blessed referred to the status of their gods. Or to those people who were blessed by their gods. So that's the Greek word of the day. Of course, we don't follow that. But the idea was that this was a very special position. It didn't mean happy. They also, if you go way back to the roots of it, there's the idea of length in the word. And that is a long-term thing. It's not a momentary thing. You can be, we can be happy for the moment, can't we? Right? Um, Somebody makes us a cup of coffee. Oh, well, you know, if if you really (laughs) need your coffee, that might make you happy. Does that make you blessed? Well, sort of. But it's a momentary thing. I wouldn't call that a great blessing. Right? And so we get this idea, you know, by using the word happy, that it's this temporary, short-term thing. No, I'd like much more we go back to the Old Testament idea of blessing, because I think that's what Jesus had in mind where it means gracious words from God have arrived. The goodness of God has come. I like that. So Jesus said the goodness of God. Some people think it also means spiritually prosperous. Well, that that works also. But again i don't think it's got the depth of the of the the real idea of a blessing that was given on to somebody like jacob or or onto abraham or onto isaac you know where there was a promise for the moment and a promise for the future you know that their barns would be full that people would bow down to them, nations would come before them all those ideas of a blessing i mean a tremendous blessing poured out from God the riches of heaven opened and poured out to us is a blessing and so Jesus said blessed at the beginning of every one of these things good news things from heaven heaven poured out and I've come to you blessed are the poor in spirit but who are the poor in spirit what does that mean what does it mean think of Israel at the time. We have to always go to the context, right? What's the context of Israel at the time? They were in captivity. The Romans had overrun them, set up their idols, controlled all things they did, appointed their own leaders. It wasn't a rich time for the nation of Israel. The temple had been built, but it was never as good as the original one, and those who saw it wept because it just, those who remembered the old days, they were not at their peak. Their leaders were self-centered and corrupt. But there were some in Israel who rebelled because they wanted to throw off the Roman yoke, right? But they had been defeated. The rebellions had been put down. Barabbas was in jail. We you know he gets released later. Everything was going wrong. But some remembered that there were better days. Those were the ones who were poor in spirit. Why poor in spirit? Because they remembered there are better days. They longed for something else. People were poor in spirit if they were also in sin and corrupted. People were poor in spirit because they didn't see God speaking anymore. They didn't see the hope. They didn't see the joy. Are we poor in spirit? Yes, we are. That's, again, the prophecy. Change your thinking. We have gotten into our minds that things are bad. We've gotten into our minds that things should be better. Well, that's okay. Things can be better, but here's the difference. Jesus stood and said, today, right, just at the wedding, today, from this day forward, from the prophecy it's fulfilled today, from this day forward, Jesus stood up and said, you are blessed. If you are poor in spirit, because what is poor in spirit means? You want something better. You want God to show up. You could be sick. You could be out of work. You could have illness in the family. You could have lost a loved one. You could be, there's a thousand things that might bring us poor in spirit, isn't there? That's okay. If we turn it to God and cry out to God. What we don't want to do is just sit there and wallow in our poor in spirit. Do we, Patricia? Right. Hallelujah. I like Patricia's faith and zeal. Right? Because it says today, today, Jesus says, standing there, you're poor in spirit. But I'm telling you today, you're blessed. It was not a theological argument. It wasn't a poetry to be studied. It wasn't something for a Bible class. It wasn't something for them to contemplate and write books about. It was a declaration by Jesus at that moment that you are blessed. That's the way it reads. Present tense impacting at the moment. You are blessed if you're poor in spirit. Why? Because I have arrived and I'm standing here with you. It's a declaration. Bill Kaiser calls it a command, just like when God said, Let there be light. Jesus proclaimed that moment, that day, to the crowd that were poor in spirit looking for something you're blessed can you get that? Change your thinking, God said. You are blessed. Jesus stood there and said, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Not maybe, not the future. Right now, I'm standing here and you are blessed. Because I have all the authority and power and I have come and I am the Messiah and I am the Son of God. And so you are blessed this day because I have arrived. No wonder the angels rejoiced and proclaimed his birth. Oh, but how easily we get caught up. Oh, woe is me. When Jesus is saying you're blessed. Change our thinking. It doesn't mean happy. It means you're blessed with the deep riches of God poured out upon you like it says in Ephesians you are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing right Dieter taught on that a couple of weeks ago in prime time hallelujah we are blessed Jesus went on didn't he go on to say I am the light of the world He didn't say, I will be, or I should be, or I could be, or let's do a theological study about it. No, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. Not maybe. I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a Savior that proclaims who He is. I am. Hallelujah. So let's think about it again. Are we poor in spirit? Well, maybe. But this day I tell you, you're blessed. And what is your reward? The kingdom of heaven. Same thing he was talking about. It's at hand. It's now yours. I. Am here in the kingdom of heaven, is yours. Hallelujah! Actually, if you want to really get back, some people translate that more properly: that we don't grab up and get a hold of the kingdom of heaven; rather, it gets a hold of us. <laughs> but both are true. Whether we grab God. And trust in Him and give our lives to Him, or whether He comes down and takes us and laps us in His arms, we are still part of Him. And we are blessed. And we are part of Christ. And we are in Him. And we are seated in the heavenly realms with Him. Hallelujah. Now, some people can sit and say, Oh, I'm poor in spirit. Well, if you don't know Christ today, you are poor in spirit. You have no idea the blessings. That God pours out if you haven't ever given your heart to God if you've never really put all your trust in him this day give your heart to him and he will give you the kingdom of heaven not just now but forever eternal life new birth and we become part of the kingdom of heaven is anybody here poor in spirit It's okay to say it, but let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray that your light shines upon us, that we are blessed, Lord. We are blessed this day, Lord. We turn our sorrows over to you. If you're not saved, God said, turn your laughter to sorrow and weeping. But if you are saved, turn your weeping and sorrow into joy and rejoicing. Great is our God. Sing with me. Great is our God. We sang it. Do we believe it? Are our problems anything compared to what God can do? Are they? We act sometimes like they are impossible. I don't know where the elders were at this weekend, but I hope they had that faith that all things are possible in Christ Jesus. I'm sure they did. Because there are men who are seeking God. And there's no way you can seek him without knowing that. So the moment arrived, Jesus proclaimed, I am here and you are blessed. No wonder they were amazed at his teaching. So what's the next one? Blessed are those who mourn. Well, we know what? There's only a few certain things in life. What they say, death and taxes. I just paid my taxes, so what's left, right? <laughs> hey, you know what? We're all going to face it, and we've all faced it, and we all have relatives that face it. But think about how sad it is without Christ and how we mourn. But Jesus said that day, For those who are mourning the loss of somebody, those who are worried about death and maybe mourning their own coming death. He said, blessed this day, blessed right now are you who mourn. For you will be comforted. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. Because you will not die but have eternal life. See, Jesus changed everything. Before he came, what hope was there? But now he came and he said, this day I am here. You don't need, if you trusted me, to mourn anymore. Yes, we miss somebody. Yes, we get sad. But if they are in Christ, rejoice. They're with God in heaven. They're having a great time. Jesus stood there and said this day you don't have to mourn anymore. For some people that's a great comfort. I know, I've lost it. My parents, Barb's lost her parents. We've lost every one of our aunts and uncles. None left. And a few years ago I lost my brother. Now it would be easy to mourn. But we don't have to if they're in heaven. We don't have to. It makes all the difference. I did a lot of funerals in my days, and boy, those where the person is a Christian, and you know they're a Christian, we can rejoice. For those who don't, we don't know what happened in the last moments of their life. Did they turn to God? I pray they did. But not everybody repents and turns to God, do they? Not everybody listened to Jesus that day, even though he said, If you're here and you trust in me, you will be comforted. Jesus proclaimed it. No more need to mourn. I hope that lifts a burden off of some of you. No more need to mourn somebody who was in Christ, their passing. Yes, we can be lonely, but we're going to see them for eternity. This is just a moment until we have a reunion. Hallelujah. I'm so glad Jesus stood up that day. But we can also mourn because of our sin. Because sin leads to death. And we should mourn. If we are sitting in sin and we are not trusting in him and we have not been washed by the blood, if you haven't this day you should be mourning and there will be no comfort for you but there is a comfort available if you turn to christ because he will take away your sins and wash you and make you white as snow and you can rejoice forever no matter what you've done in the past god can take it away that's what jesus was standing that day and saying i don't care what was in the past i'm proclaiming to you today i have come i have been born i am standing here i am the messiah I am the resurrection, and you can be forgiven. Hallelujah. And what was the next one? Mm. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what's the best way to describe meekness? It has the idea of a gentleness, but it's actually easier to describe in the opposite anti-pride and anti-aggressiveness it doesn't mean you're weak it means you're not pride- proudful now I hate to say it but our world today is rampant with pride anti-meekness I'm not sure how many of us get this blessing is it so easy to get caught up in pride you can be proud because of the family you were born into. You could be proud for the nation you were born into. You could be proud because of your riches or because of your job or because of your talents or because of the way you look. You can be proud because of some club you belong to or what team you root for or what position you have in the church. I could be a head pastor. I've been turned, I've turned down that. I could have big positions at work. I've turned them down. I used to have a room full of trophies for sports, several different sports and music and academics. I threw them all away. Why? I don't need them. But I gotta be careful, because I could also be proud in my humility, right? (laughs) Oh, look at me, how great I threw all that. No, you, you, you don't. Proud gets us all the time. It's just, it's just waiting there to suck us in. <laughs> but it, pride means we think we're better than somebody else. And there's no part of God's kingdom. In fact, I've heard it preached and taught that you cannot properly preach the gospel of Christ if you're proud. That's a pretty bold statement. But it's a lot of truth in it. Because the minute you think you've got something better than somebody else, no, God made us all, every one of us, special. From the least to the greatest. And so easily we get sucked into it. So easily. But God said, repent this day. Change your thinking. Humble yourselves. God says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The other way that we, we get into this idea of not being meek is, is people who are aggressive. They try and do everything on their own. Right? Oh, you know... I can do this and I can do that and I, I can have a building program and I, you know, we'll speak because we're family here, right? You know, we, we can say, oh, we're, or we can say we're the greatest church that there ever was. I'm sorry, that's pride. There's great churches down the road that we should bless and partner with. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, too often I've been in too many churches where people stand up and say, oh, we're going to take Delaware, we're, gonna, we're the answer to Delaware, we're the answer. Oh, God has given us, and we are going to be the ones who are going to solve all the world's problems. Rubbish. I'm sorry, it's rubbish. Yes, God can anoint that church, but he's anointing the one down the street also, and if we don't join with them and lay down our pride, shame on us. See how it creeps in? But God says, blessed are the meek. Or those who want to rely on God. You see, if you're not meek, you're saying, I can do it myself. And we can be aggressive in that. Oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm, you know, we're going to go off to the prison, Ed and I, and we're going to, you know, get all those men right with God. Well, we're not doing anything. All we're doing is trying to get out of the way and let God have the glory. I mean, today, that's what we've got to do. Get out of the way and let God have the glory. That doesn't mean we don't have wonderful worship. That doesn't mean we shouldn't exalt God or do our best. Yes, we should always do our best, but it doesn't make us special. I love the sermon. I, I, I preached this once. I don't remember. It's a long time ago. We are everything. In Christ, aren't we? And we are nothing in Christ. Compared to the world, we're everything. We are blessed. Compared to each other, we're nothing special. Think about that one. All right, so meekness. What it really means? Blessed this day are those who know they need me. Blessed this day are those who know they need God to help them. Blessed this day are those who aren't ashamed to get on their knees and cry out to God for help. And Jesus said, I will give you the earth as your inheritance. You may not win it on your own, you may not even see it now, but I'm going to give you the inheritance. You're going to rule and reign with me over this world when he remakes it. But even now, he will bless us. And in our hearts, we know we are sitting with Christ in heaven. No, we don't do it on our own. We cry out to God, help us, help us, God, help us. And as certainly as he was standing there that day, we will be helped by God and blessed. The minute we start rising up and trying to say we're better than others in Christ. He's going to step back and say, well, I guess you don't need me. Ah, but blessed are we this day. From this day forward, we're blessed. And what's the last, the next one? We'll go into communion with it. Blessed are the righteous. Or no, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. For they shall be filled. Are we hungry this day for God? Now his righteousness is his standard, his perfection, his holiness. His standard of perfection is so far above us, we have no way of getting there. Except that he fills us with it. And changes us. Yeah, we can get ready for communion if we want Dearly beloved, we are gathered today to join two families. We're gathered to join our hearts with God and let him make us righteous. That's what communion is. And behind all of this, by the way, is the cross. Let's not forget that it's all because Jesus was going to die and pay for our sins and rise again. Jesus knew that. When he stood up and he said, blessed, behind all of that was the power, the efficacy of the cross, the blood of Jesus. He is the bread of life. He makes with us an eternal covenant. But he started it that day. He said, he stood up and he said, blessed. It's a declaration. Let nobody tell you anything less that he... Do not stand up that day and proclaim and command that you today are blessed. Let nobody lessen that in your mind. If it is, repent this day and change your thinking, because Jesus proclaimed we are blessed. Hallelujah. 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 Amen.